0: Let's pray. Holy Spirit of God, who prefers before all temples the upright heart and pure, instruct us in all truth. What is dark, illumine. What is low, raise and support. What is shallow, deepen. That every chapter of our lives may witness to your power, And justify the ways of God in the name of Jesus giver of all grace amen Luke chapter 19 Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him today, Salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel writers show and tell. They show by telling and they tell by showing. They show by telling story. We were raised on these stories, listening to them first, probably, before anything else in the Bible. And they go deepest in our learning the life and world-changing story of the Savior's life and death and resurrection. And we cherish them the longest, I think, longing to be with this Jesus of the Gospels, walking with him on Jordan's far shores. And they tell by how they tell the story. The Gospel writers each write differently, and each are very intentional in the ordering of their stories, not always chronological, sometimes not at all. In the presentation of the details of the stories, no same story told in more than one gospel is told the same way. And in the selection of stories, much of what the gospel writers write is unique to their gospel. In writing so purposefully, we are invited to know and to consider those purposes that we may see by study more and more of what they show and tell. This is what we're doing in this short series of sermons within a larger one, these four in Luke's gospel, considering the gospel writer's purpose. All four gospel writers tell stories of Jesus in homes, in the homes of family and families, friends and neighbors, otherwise unknown but interested persons. These four in Luke are in that category. And in the end, in the homes of enemies, crucifiers. They do not all tell the same stories, and the few stories they tell, they do not tell them in the same way. Each writer, a particular purpose. Jeff and I have selected these eight stories, at least one from each gospel, frankly for our purposes. We confess it. In this now almost two-year-long season of increased isolation in our homes, decreased visits, in each other's homes. Interrupted and diminished gathering in our own church home. Yeah, increased electronic availability within our homes, worship services, concert series, parsons to persons. But we want you to remain persuaded that Jesus knows no quarantine. Jesus says today, as always, behold, I stand at the door and knock If anyone opens the door, I will come in and sup with them. No masks. Amen? With this sermon series, we want you to hear that knock. We want you to open that door and sit at the table with the Savior in your home. Today. Every day. That's our purpose. Again, we're offering no apology for it. In the midst of the eight stories and sermons, four are from Luke alone. He seems to me, I admit, not many other Bible scholars, if any that I know, see the same purpose. He develops purposes of telling stories of Jesus in a home. Or perhaps, this is a better way of saying, because Luke does this more obviously, I have some confidence I see what he shows, and here's what he tells. Luke tells these four stories in and as having chronological, logical, and spiritual order. In the first story, Jesus enters the home of Levi the tax gatherer. We know him as Matthew, the writer of the first gospel in our New Testament. Jesus had met him sitting at his tax gathering booth doing his dastardly deeds. Follow me, Jesus said. Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Levi held a great banquet for his friends at his home, His friends, no doubt, are the other tax gatherers. No one else would be friendly with such thieves and traitors. Were the invitations given so as to explain his conversion to his friends? Is that why he gathered them? Jesus could do this better than he. Maybe this is a strategic move. Was it simply to honor Jesus new in his life, to show his own true colors now? Well, then it's a brave move. Was it so that Jesus would offer his friends the gift and challenge that he had received to follow? I want for my friends what I have. This is a hopeful and compassionate move on his part. In any case, Levi does what disciples do make more disciples. But in Luke's telling of the story, Jesus spends his time speaking to those not invited to the banquet, the Pharisees outside muttering. They fault Jesus, a holy man, for hanging out with those obviously not holy. Jesus answers them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's it. Chronologically and logically and spiritually first, Jesus calls sinners to repentance, everywhere and in your home. The second story, Jesus enters the home of Simon the Pharisee. Now the Pharisees are hosts and guests. And now someone uninvited enters into their dinner party. A woman who lived a sinful life, Luke says. She wouldn't have disagreed. She was the ailing one seeking the physician. She was the sinner in need of a savior. She knew this. She weeps, wetting his feet with her tears, dries them with her hair, kisses them. This is all costly, economically and emotionally, pouring alabaster jar of perfume on his feet. The Pharisee? He had not so much as greeted Jesus at the door with a customary kiss. He had not even given Jesus water to wash his own feet. He had no oil for his head. Jesus painfully points this out to the Pharisee. She had worshiped at and kissed his feet. The contrast is sharp. It makes stark the point. She who is forgiven much loves much. He who thinks his sins but few and small loves little gratitude is in proportion to how great we know our Savior's grace to be and grace is in proportion to how great we know our sins to be she knew he didn't your sins are forgiven Jesus says to her friends what are your hesitations to examine and acknowledge your sins Think your sins too few and far between, too petty to mention? Think your sins too many, too deep, too toxic to confess? Jesus says to the repenting sinner, your sins are forgiven. Of course he does. We already know Jesus has come to call sinners to repentance. And now we know in the second story, those he calls to repentance, he forgives their sins. Chronological, logical, spiritual progression. Third story, Jesus enters the home of another Pharisee, unnamed, described as prominent. It is Sabbath. The holy weekly meal was to be shared. Pharisees, their invited friends, Jesus. Ritual washings, kosher ingredient selection, careful practice preparations, earnest expectation, and exclusion. An uninvited guest again enters in, a suffering man, suffering from edema, we would say, a swelling of the whole body. He looked horrible, not holy. Everyone could see it. Jesus, knowing his duty is to help, not harm, heals the man, maybe especially on the Sabbath. The Pharisees didn't know to approve or condemn, they are silent. Then Jesus, seeing the Pharisees scrambling for the best seats, offers advice. Don't seat yourself at the high table. The host of your humiliation may ask you to sit at the low table. Instead, sit at the low table, and the host of your exaltation will ask you to sit at the high table. Simple and profound enough. Then Jesus speaks to the prominent Pharisee. It's getting harder now. When you invite guests for lunch, Don't just invite family, friends, and rich neighbors. Instead, invite the poor, the needy, the hungry. If you do, it will become a feast. And what is more, you will be invited to the feast God gives. In the world to come, God is host. We are guests. Want to guess how you get an invitation to the high table? What Jesus is now teaching is what the repentant are always to do. They are, like Jesus shows and tells, to care for the poor. Jesus enters our home to call us to repentance, to forgive us our sin, and then to show us what the repentant life is like. It's like his life the fourth and final story. Jesus enters the home of Zacchaeus, the chief tax gatherer. It is best to note here the commonalities and comparisons in the stories. And I confess that for the next moment this is more a Bible study than preaching. Preaching will return. Hang on. The two middle stories are in the house of Pharisees. Both times an uninvited guest appears. Both times Jesus and the uninvited guest connect beautifully and with drama, healing and forgiving. Both the suffering man and the sinful woman are said to be released. They are set free from their troubles. Both stories are somewhat long, and in the middle of them, Jesus tells a parable, the man who owed much and another who owed little, the man who seats himself at the head table. Both times, Jesus says a word of salvation to the suffering man and to the sinful woman, be healed, and your sins are forgiven. Both times, Jesus lectures the Pharisee host Both times we are left wondering if the Pharisee host got it. And you might fairly wonder if Jesus ever got a third invitation to a Pharisee home. The two outer stories are in the homes of tax gatherers. Both events are attended only by tax gatherers. Both times people outside mutter about Jesus hanging out with sinners. No uninvited guests inside. Publicans apparently have better security than Pharisees. Well, they needed it. Both times, Jesus had earlier contact with a host. Levi at his tax booth, Zacchaeus in the tree. Both of these stories are relatively short. Jesus does not teach a lesson within the story. And both times, the tax-gatherer host gets it. Levi follows Jesus. Zacchaeus gives away his ill-gotten wealth. One more thing to be noted. Simon, the first Pharisee host, is an ordinary Pharisee undistinguished, but the second Pharisee host is a prominent Pharisee. Levi, the first tax-gatherer host, is an ordinary tax-gatherer, undistinguished, but Zacchaeus, the second tax-gatherer host, is a chief tax-gatherer. Luke makes much of social position often in his gospel. Knowing what he knew helps us to understand what we must learn. We must know that Levi, that first tax-gatherer, Matthew, and Zacchaeus, both tax gatherers, do not have the same job. The tax gatherer in your village, like Levi, was the face of Rome's brutal bureaucracy. He sat at his tax booth daily, called you in at will, he set impossibly high assessments, demanded payment in any form of his liking, threatened you with great loss for non payment. There was no appeal. The chief tax gatherer was not in your village. Levi was back in Capernaum. Zacchaeus is in away, Jericho. His face you did not see. You had no appointment with him. He did not deal with you. Instead, he hired the Levi's of the world to do all the dirty work. And perhaps Zacchaeus is so highly placed, the contrast between the short man and the high placement is in the story, that he hires hires somebody who hires somebody who hires somebody who hires Levi. He set the quotas of income to be met by each of his tax agents and their agents. He bullied the Levi's. You might not have ever known or spoken to a chief tax gatherer, but you knew who was behind the small man at the village tax booth and who had impoverished your family. This great man is the small man at the story's beginning. However ridiculous he may have been seen to be, climbing a tree in full view of everyone, you can be assured no one laughed, at least out loud. Why did he want to see Jesus so badly? General interest? Well, there was a crowd there. Thinks Jesus is a big man like himself, professional respect? I suppose it's possible. Hope? I like that one. Hope. Hope that the pit he was in was not so deep, that someone, someone sent from God, Jesus perhaps, but that he could still be rescued. Hope beyond hope. Nobody outside of Zacchaeus hoped it, maybe even willed it. Nobody would expect it. Hope that his sin could be removed, but there's so much. Hope that he could stop. How do you stop living this life? Hope that he could make some wrongs, great wrongs, wrongs of his own doing, right, but is that too much to hope? Do all this wrong for all this time and expect that it could be made right? What right do I, he might think, what right do I have to hope? So much wrong for so very long, I'm in so deep, too deep. Zacchaeus is above the Levi's, as brutal toward them as the Levi's are to the villagers and farmers. And above the Zacchaeus, others are just as brutal with even more resources. He had been in too deep and too long. Levi the low man, he can leave everything behind when Jesus says, follow me. A tax booth is a table and a chair. Just walks away. Zacchaeus cannot. He walks away and Roman interests suffer over a significant part of the province. And guess who suffers if that happens, huh? How great Zacchaeus' savior must be. Jesus, he hopes. Come down immediately, Jesus says. I must stay, not just a meal, but stay in your home today. Zacchaeus opened his home. He could do that much. Outside, the muttering about Jesus begins. Zacchaeus had played a prominent and critical role in the ruin of many. Some of the poor are poor because of Zacchaeus' selfish greed. And they mutter about Jesus? Yes. Because Zacchaeus and his kind are permanent, don't you know? The unchanging background scenery of our lives they, like we, imagine. Just is. That's the way it is, the way of the world. No change expected. No point muttering about him. But Jesus, they had hope. They mutter. Zacchaeus stands up and says to Jesus, did he shout this? Did he whisper it? I give half of my possessions to the poor. Did he gesture to the food? There were hungry people outside. The furnishings, guess where he got them? The fantastic wealth of his home. Did he just, his gesture include his home? And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay it back four times over. If? If. Sounds like weasel words to me. But here we must remember that Zacchaeus, the chief tax gatherer, He did not sit in the public square. He did not do any of his work in public at all. He did not know what traumas the Levites at his command had perpetuated. He did not know who had been harmed. He did not live in their world. He lived in a world of his own making, but made with their blood, sweat, and tears. He did not know how much harm he had caused. Did it haunt him at night? If in the story is whatever. Not knowing what wrongs I have done, I commit to make them right. Friends, that's a dare. <laughs> Do you dare say it? Whatever harm I have caused, I commit to make it right. Friends, it's getting harder. And here and now, he says, the Bible loves immediacy. Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to your house today. I will do this here and now, he says. To follow through on this, Zacchaeus must do to himself what he had the Levites long do on his behalf. He must do this in full view of everyone, and he must do this for everyone. Zacchaeus must start selling off his conspicuous consumptions at cut-rate prices to those the Levites had made pay their taxes out of their poverty. Now the roles are reversed. This is another of the great reversals in Luke's gospel. It wouldn't be lost on those who were gathered that day. Zacchaeus now must sit down in his home and in the public square and each villager approach him at their appointment and tell him how much he must pay. Four times over, no appeal. Do angels stand behind the poor that day? Where the day before, soldiers had stood behind tax gatherers. This, this, Jesus says, is salvation. Today's salvation has come to this house because this man too... (laughs) As a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. No one more lost in these stories than Zacchaeus. I, I must ask what repairs for my sins are needed and possible, and I must give them here and now. Parents, children, siblings, friends, enemies, the poor, like Zacchaeus, we must be concerned with those we have not met, but whose lives are less, because we took more, no matter the amount, no matter how long ago. Only, only when this is being done, does Jesus say, Today, today, salvation has come to this house. And that's the gospel, the full gospel. Jesus has come, entered into our homes to seek and to save us. First he calls us, sinners to repentance, us, praise the Lord. Know how welcoming is our Savior. Then he announces the forgiveness of our sins, all of them, Know them, examine them, confess them. Know how great is your Savior. Then he shows us our duty as forgiven sinners to invite the world's poor. Do the right thing. Know the care of God for his poor. Then, now, he shows us that we must make, so far as we can, our wrongs right. Reparations are a required part of discipleship, of salvation. Know this hope. God is rewriting the world, no longer in spite of us, but through us, sons and daughters of Abraham that we are. That's the gospel. That's the gospel Luke is especially keen on. I do not say it is not hard. Without God, it is impossible. Without his continuing calling, forgiving, teaching, repairing, without his coming into our homes each day. When I was young, convinced of my sins and my need of a Savior, I opened the door. He stepped in, and since he has been with me. But what I did not know then, and when I find out, what I did not like then, what I did not want then, And what I found to be hard and still do is that when I opened the door and invited in Jesus, he brought the whole world in with him. Jesus will not be divided from the world he has paid and for which he has died. I confess before my wonderful Savior and you, my brothers and sisters in Jesus, that I'm still resisting, adjusting, negotiating, trying, training. I'm making progress. Thanks be to God. I got into this for me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. No such thing. Jesus comes in with uninvited guests. Luke has helped me to see what Jesus shows and to hear what Jesus tells me. When I set a place for Jesus at my table, I'm to set places on the whole table. Well, salvation came to my house that day. Salvation comes to my house today. Jesus comes to your house today. Do you hear the knock? He has come to seek and to save the lost. Let us pray. Come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, come into my home, Lord Jesus, amen.